This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and immane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Live from Los Angeles, uh, coming to you from the Hilton Hotel just down the uh, road from the Los Angeles Airport, LAX, and uh, in town uh, for the next couple of days and then making my way north uh, as far as Seattle, Washington filming uh, interviews and episodes for the upcoming television show I've been telling you about for uh, for quite some time now. Uh, and at some point, I, I hope, I'm going to be able to divulge where you can actually see this darn program. But it is coming to, to a television near you, The Conspiracy Show. And uh, I, uh, I just was in New York recently, uh, then back home to uh, Onionville, time enough to squeeze the uh, the boys and uh, the mighty Aphrodite and then hop on a plane out here. But in, one of the interesting and most enjoyable aspects of filming this television show is uh, meeting a lot of the uh, the guests that I've had on the radio for many, many years. Rosemary Ellen Guiley and I actually uh, had a great interview for an upcoming episode in Central Park. And uh, we were walking around the cemetery at uh, Trinity Church, which is just across the street, literally, from uh, Ground Zero. Uh, I met Nils Hamron, our biblical end times uh, specialist in uh, Somerville, New Jersey. He and his lovely wife, Beth, welcomed us into their home, and uh, we had a great conversation. And uh, on and on it goes. Uh, Tomorrow I'll be uh, in Thousand Oaks interviewing G. Edward Griffin, the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, of course, and uh, he has a new movie about chemtrails coming out. Speaking of which... I should mention that on the 20th of November, that would be a Saturday at uh, the Bloor Cinema. Our good friend Patrick White from Conspiracy Culture will be 
debuting the Canadian theatrical uh, premiere screening of Mr. Griffin's new film about chemtrails. What on earth are they spraying? Along with uh, Michael Murphy. He is, uh, the, I guess, the producer, co-producer of that film. So uh, that's November the 20th, and you can get uh, tickets at the door, but uh, probably best to give Patrick a shout down at uh, Conspiracy Culture. You can visit them online at uh, www.conspiracyculture.com. Make sure you get out to see that film. It's an important one. And I'm going to move heaven and earth to make sure that I'm there as well. All right, have a good program for you tonight. A busy one. Coming up a little bit later. You know, most of the news that's come out of the Gulf Coast has been bad, let's face it. Uh, you know, they are attempting to uh, mop up, if I can use that uh, metaphor, as best they can. But they've been using this horrible uh, oil dispersant. It's called Corexit. And even the EPA says this thing can cause birth defects and it's, uh, it's uh, mixing with the, uh, the, the air molecules and forming uh, rain, essentially. It's raining down as far north as places like Iowa, where it's coming down as toxic rain, it's literally killing the weeds. So this is going to have some long-term health effects, no question. But finally, some good news, some really good news. And it's, well, we're going to listen, we're going to hear from uh, John Hutchison a little bit later. Uh, John and Nancy Lazarian have been down to the Gulf and doing some very interesting experiments using certain sound frequencies to actually purify the waters in the Gulf of Mexico. So we'll check in with John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian a little bit later. First, you know, I've, uh, I've been doing quite a few shows on UFOs uh, recently. Of course, Victor Vigiani normally joins me in the studio. And uh, most recently, I guess, the end of September, September the 27th, there was really a monumental press conference at the Washington Press Club. And this was when a number of former U.S. Air Force officers came forward, spoke to the media, talked about what they had witnessed over the last 40, 50 years at nuclear weapon sites across the United States. And they claim they witnessed UFOs tampering with those missiles, in some cases, bringing them offline. And I don't have to tell you that programs like The Event and the recent, relatively recent announcement by the Vatican Observatory a few years ago that it's okay to believe in ETs. Larry King on CNN and his intense interest in the UFO issue It all seems to be building towards something. Are we being prepared? But for what? And what is really behind the UFO phenomenon? What is the alien agenda? To discuss over the next hour, we welcome back to the program a documentary filmmaker and researcher who is going to discuss what he believes is behind the entire UFO phenomenon including abductions and crop circles and animal mutilations and, as I say, the tampering with nuclear missiles. It's going to analyze the UFO phenomenon from a biblical perspective and affirm his belief that all civilizations that attribute their genesis to the gods 
and all of the great religions speak of contact with beings who come from elsewhere. But is there a connection between these accounts and the modern-day UFO phenomenon? And can accounts of flying beings from the Bible shed any light on the identity of UFO? Are they mere observers or participants on the world stage? Ali Siadatan is producer of UFOs, Angels, and Gods. He was born in Iran and has been involved in a lifelong search into spirituality. After examining many perspectives, his heart was opened to the gospel and he became a disciple of the Nazarene. For Ali, the five-year journey to complete this work was very much a part of his personal spiritual path. He feels that, he is, that uh, the hand that has guided him through life has led him into the examination of the relationship that exists, exists between UFOs and angels. Ali Siadatan, welcome once again to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? Very good, Richard. Thank you for having me on. It's wonderful to uh, see that uh, this uh, show of yours is, is becoming more of a reality, and you're going around meeting these uh, incredible people and, and conversing with them. That's, that's really great news. It, it has been very exciting, and I should point out uh, uh, that we're doing this actually via a Skype, which uh, I'm a newcomer to Skype, so I'm hoping uh, that we, we sound uh, okay coming out of your uh, your radio speakers uh, tonight. Ali, let's, uh, let's go back to the 27th of September. What did you make of that uh, press conference with all of these highly credentialed individuals coming forward and, and talking about UFOs tampering with nuclear missile sites? Well, it's, it's interesting um, that they would come out... Uh, uh, with all their credentials and their first-hand experiences, um, and, and you know, speak out like this, um, we can get into what I think is behind it or why they're doing it. And, I mean, there's always been this idea that you know you can't just tell people suddenly or it'll be pandemonium. You have to gradually kind of you know come out and and gently tell people. So it may look you know, very spontaneous or heartfelt after many years of, you know, trying to do it. Or there might be a, a purpose, an agenda as to why now, why these people. But the experiences that they're talking about are very old, and it's true that the UFO phenomenon has the handprint uh, the, of, of these phenomenons uh, with the nuclear, um, or even before the nuclear, the atomic age already there was... Uh, um, this idea of the flexing the muscles over Earth's top weaponry. I mean, if you look at, like, 1951, where the movie came out from Hollywood, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, 1951. Already, you know, the propaganda machine was saying, okay, guys, there's something stronger here that's saying, you know, uh, so, so that was the idea in those days. There's something here flexing its muscles saying, calm down with your warlike ways. That was an idea that was floating around. Um, you go back to 1949, professor who was an astronomer, um, George Valley, uh, he was a member of the Air Force Scientific Advisory Board, and in a top-secret report, he told the Pentagon his own theory, which was such a civilization might observe that on Earth we now have atomic bombs and are fast-developing rockets in view of the past history of mankind. They should be alarmed. We should therefore expect at this time of all to behold such vis vis visitations. Uh, just a few years ago, I was at Convocation Hall in, in Toronto here, and Paul Hellyer, who was the defense minister under Pearson and then a cabinet minister in Trudeau's government, came out 
and said, you know, that in 1960s he became the defense minister in 1963. That yes, you know, he was he was brought into a top secret uh, meeting where he was told he can't even bring his deputy in. And he was saying this, you know, publicly uh, at the convocation hall in, in Toronto. Uh, Ali, let me uh, let me just stop you there because uh, we'll we'll take a time out when we come back. I, I recently met with uh, with Paul Hellier on camera and discussed these, this very conversation that he had with an unnamed four-star general in the U.S. We'll, we'll yeah. get your take on that. And uh, also, the idea uh, that perhaps all of these former Air Force individuals that are coming forward, yeah. Paul Hellier and others, perhaps they are being deceived. Perhaps we're all being yeah, deceived. Absolutely. And some of them may, you know, when, when I've researched the abduction phenomenon thoroughly and Look into Professor Jacobs' um, research into the abduction phenomenon. He clearly shows that abductees are being told they are now part of the plan, and some of them embrace it. That, okay, that let me just stop you there, Ali. We'll uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and we'll get to that very issue. Ali Siadatan, filmmaker, producer of UFOs, Angels, and Gods, the Conspiracy Show, live from Los Angeles via Skype. My name is Richard Serrett. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sennett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. We're back live from the Hilton Hotel here in Los Angeles, just down the road from LAX. Ali Siadatan is on the line from Toronto, and we're discussing the alien agenda and the UFO deception, discussing the UFO phenomenon from a biblical perspective. But right now, let's get back to the uh, the former U.S. Air Force officials who spoke publicly, and quite frankly, at, I think at great risk, uh, they they risk their credibility, they risk uh, uh, ridicule. Uh, you, you know, in, in places like the Soviet Union, they had gulags, and here in the West, we. We tend to silence people with, uh, we, we ostracize them, we ridicule right. them, we discredit them. So that, I always wonder why someone would come forward and tell a story like that. Yes. Uh, so what are your thoughts? I mean, are they being deceived? Are they useful fools? Are they, are, they, uh, uh, are they propagating this myth? Well, once in a while, um, when they do voice their own kind of opinion suddenly passionately as to what is their take on the facts that they're presenting. Uh, one sees that, you know, it kind of fits with what we've been seeing in the past 40 years, um, the way people react to it. It's, it's always one or the other. Basically, one idea would be with the military, it was, okay, they're here trying to say to us, we're more powerful, put down your warrior-like ways. And some of the people that are coming forward, most likely in their heart of hearts, they think, you know, this is good. They, their own government is trying to hide this, that the good guys arrived from the population, and they feel that maybe they're doing their civic duty by coming and saying, you know, something better is here. The other guys, like the one that Paul Hellier called in the States, uh, they were more like the hawks, and they saw this as a, a national a security, national defense issue, international defense issue. And so Paul Hellier was saying that this led to uh, the Americans thinking about weaponizing space as the first line of defense. Um, it led in 1963 to the creation of the hotline between Krem, um, White House and Kremlin, 
um, as the same thing was happening in the USSR, and people uh, in both sides thought, oh, it's the other guys, and then they quickly realized this technology is far too advanced. It's something else, and they kind of panicked and called each other. That's one of the in, stories. In other words, in other words, these UFOs were misidentified as perhaps an incoming nuclear missile, uh, and, and and that's what led to, as you say, the the uh, this hotline being well, installed well, between the Kremlin thought, and the White House. Is that what you're saying? No, they thought it was what it was missiles from the other side, and then they when they quickly realized that's not the case. I mean, look at what these. Uh, Air Force officers are telling us recently in September, they're talking about, you know, very clear sightings of objects in front of them, uh, that they can clearly uh, describe this map, shutting down in Montana, um, the missile system, basically. This is not what a missile can do. And so both the Russians and the Americans realize, okay, this is not, it's not nuclear bombs from the other guy. This is something else. And that's why they felt they needed to speak with each other. They felt something, you know, bigger was threatening, something was bigger than both of them, was saying, I'm bigger than you guys. And so this kind of brought them together to, to, to talk just in case there was like, you know, an international war against, you know, the aliens. That's one idea. And so from the beginning, you see these two ideas, the Hawks, okay, this is national defense, we're under attack, and the other guy saying, no, something better has arrived. These guys are technologically superior, therefore they must be morally superior. It's not based on facts, again, because the abduction phenomenon is the facts. However, well, some of these Air Force pilots, that, uh, some of these Air Force officers that are now coming forward, um, also in their comments I feel some echo basically kind of mainly the point of view that these are the good guys and we feel we need to come out and tell the world about it um, because, you know, they're shutting down weapon systems so they must be sending a peaceful message. That's kind of the way it's understood. Well, that's the way that it's understood through the filter of sort of the UFO disclosure movement, although if memory serves, there were some incidents where missiles were actually brought online. The other thing is, if uh, these entities that are tampering with missiles are so benevolent, my question would be, where were they in 19, August of 1945, Ali, when the United States dropped bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Um, well, the idea is that that, was caught, that caught their attention in this theory. However, you're right. Now let's look at other ways of looking at it. Um, they, there's, there's incidents of entire squadrons giving chase and then disappearing and pilots, you know, being shot down and, and wreckage, human wreckage being re retrieved uh, in the earliest accounts of, you know, when, when the Air Force was documenting and public was talking about these things. Um, it, it's not always been a case of the peaceful, civilized alien saying, you know, disarm. Um, it, it, the facts don't, don't point in other directions. You look at um, uh, the Benny and Barty Hill uh, uh, incident um, of 1961, where already we see uh, a documented abduction case, um, which is not very nice. It's horrific. And from then on, of course, now we have a huge amount of research into abductions from Bud Hopkins, from David Jacobs, from Johnny Mack, and it's just not pretty. So definitely um, uh, one could say, okay, so the Hawks are kind of right in their thinking maybe 
this is a colonization invasion the other guys would say uh, no 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 you know Johnny Mac would even say this is we suffer because they want to show, to show us that pain and suffering is part of spiritual growth but all of these are human ideas these are we're just projecting our own thoughts on, on, the, on a larger reality um, perhaps both of these ideas are naive because they don't take into consideration the full scope of the UFO phenomenon, which goes back All to right. the beginning of civilization. Let's do that. Let's go back to the beginning of civilization, Alicia, at a 10, and uh, try and understand the full scope of this UFO phenomenon. It certainly didn't begin in Roswell in 1947. We'll uh, discuss further when the Conspiracy Show continues live from Los Angeles here on AM 740. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Alice Yadatan is with us, filmmaker, producer of UFOs, Angels and Gods, investigating the UFO phenomenon from a biblical perspective. So, Ali... Obviously, the as I say, the UFO phenomenon did not begin in 1947 near Roswell, New Mexico. It goes back. I mean, there's there's no question that there were UFO sightings uh, in in the Bible. Uh, well, the universe is a vast place, and now we can only see it. But definitely, we see in the Bible angels coming. Um, from God to the earth, um, to humans, to, uh, to the race of Adam, one of these races that lives in one of these planets, as far as the story of the Bible is concerned, and bringing messages and bringing laws um, and, and bringing uh, direction um, of all manners. And this story doesn't only come to us from the Hebrews, it comes to us from all the civilizations that point to this connection to, to these beings, to whom in Mesopotamia ziggurats were built and, and, and temples were, bi- were built, uh, where they descended, where they were, you know, where they were worshipped. Now, um, you guess you can look at it through the Darwinian paradigm and say, you know, these are aliens that evolved someplace else and came and played God. Um, you could go with that idea. Um, or you could look at it from the biblical point of view and see that we're involved in a story that is a cosmic story, that is now we can say a galactic story, now that we can see how vast the universe is. And it involves God and a multitude of other conscious beings, whom in English we simply just call them all angels. And um, basically, um, they're the mighty ones in the Bible. They're often called the mighty ones. And um, the story of our race is to be understood in the context of this larger tale, um, which involves the angels of God, good and evil. So if you look at it from that point of view, uh, yes, you you not only see that from the beginning of our story, uh, there has been the tale of other things, the other beings, the flying gods, the, the, the the people who are conscious, who communicate to us, and they give us books of law. And these laws end up becoming the very foundations of society. Um, someone utters in a way of life, and then, bada boom, an entire civilization is born. Um, now, who are these beings? Well, again, it depends which window you look at it. If you say, okay, let me look at it through the eyes of the lens of the Bible, then it becomes the story of God and the angels and men and the fallen angels. And so who are the flying guys we see today flying around the world uh, where the same guys, good and evil, 
angels. Um, maybe you could say, well, you know, the, um, the the flexing of muscles over nuclear silos is a way of saying, you know, we are about to take over. We are about to have our own chosen human in whom we we descend. He becomes kind of our high priest, and you know, and, and he will make all kinds of miracles and powers and happen. Maybe we'll give you a few gifts. Uh, that will, you know, win, so, win you over to our side. But in fact, the abduction phenomenon would point to the slightly um, uh, dark uh, agenda of these beings. You could also say, well, Ali, that, how about the Ali, angels of God? They're who's, here to say that, who's to say that the Darwinian perspective is not correct? When the Vatican, for example, comes out and says it's okay to believe in ETs, yes. uh, doesn't that confirm... For, certainly it would for the world's nearly one billion Catholics yes. uh, that, that, that these, these ETs are actual, um, they're God's children. Okay, and whom exactly, and who made the ETs God? And could one of these ETs be Michael or Gabriel? And maybe they have a history that we don't know of, and God gives them missions that then bring them to earth as ambassadors of him to accomplish um, important events in the life of the ones who were made apparently in his image and the story of, uh, of, of the Bible and are destined to become the, um, the immortal uh, uh, servants of God. So the earth is the birthplace, the womb, the incubation chamber of, of these immortal beings, the children of Adam and Eve. And so could it be that these ETs are out there in the universe and they're charged with missions by God. Could some of, one of them have rebelled against God and the galactic, you know, uh, reality and said, you know, I want to be the number one principle and has seen us as competition. So, so he came down at the very genesis uh, of our creation and kind of tricked us to betray the laws of God that would naturally condemn us to death. So he took us out without, you know, taking us out physically. He tricked us. And so we're out of the game which leads to the story of, of course, Christ and this idea of him dying in our stead and redemption, and then his return. And so what happens to these other... So, so this is the story. It can be ETs. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't... The Darwinian paradigm, the biblical paradigm, doesn't include other life and other planets, in my opinion. The host of the heavens are mentioned in the Bible. It just simply says it's not coincidence that they appeared there. That's all. It, it says that, you know, they appeared there by the will of a creator, and they're part of a story which involves us, and the Bible is, the, is our history book. It's saying, so, guys, this so the, is your Are you saying history. that the Bible, Ali, just so I understand, the Bible is precluding, does the Bible preclude the existence of other extraterrestrial civilizations? Um, it's outside of the scope of its narrative structure and what it reveals to give an answer to, like, civilizations, you know. Um, it, it, it does talk about other guys, and these other guys um, come to the Earth, and they, uh, now we see, uh, like, for instance, when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed, why doesn't just God say to everyone who's there, you know, drop dead, and they all drop dead? Why is it that suddenly some fire arrives from the sky and, boom, blasts them? Uh, processes involved. And so uh, the idea that um, there's other beings, that's for sure in the Bible. I think that when I look into the universe now, like through Galileo's teles telescope, I see how vast the heavens are, and I have no problem in, in, in Michael and Gabriel, you know, moving from planet to planet the way that we move from island to island. Uh, however, 
civilization, that's beyond the scope of the Bible. I can't say the Bible is not giving us all, all there is to know about everything. It, it's a need-to-know basis fact. We're, there are lots of characters in the Bible that we encounter whose history we don't know. They suddenly are important people like Nehemiah. They have an important mission. They carry it out. History moves forward in the Middle East. But we don't know how that guy got to that job. We don't have that document. We don't know the backstory of that person. I don't know the backstory of Michael or Gabriel. Was there like a whole planet? And Michael kind of, you know, sh- uh, did really well, and then he eventually became, you know, general or, or, or an archangel. I don't know. Or was he always made that way? I don't know. But I can find out. But there's enough to say we're involved in a story that involves other beings, and there's nothing that says they can't be traveling in the universe. When I look at the history of the early church, there was a huge influence from Greek thought. And Gnosticism believed that the physical world is not the uttermost place of, you know, spirituality. There's a non-physical world uh, inside of which spirituality in its purest form exists. But in the well, Hebrew- Ali, Ali, let me ask you that this. If we are, when we're talking about the UFO phenomenon, if we are talking about entities from the angelic realm and we're talking about angels and fallen angels or if we're talking about angels and demonic entities they are spirit they are spirit so why would they need these contraptions why would they need physical crafts to, to fly around in um well that's that's the heart of the uh the the conversation when you look at um, uh, the story of the resurrection of Christ, he is resurrected in a physical body. He makes a point of his physical resurrection. He says, touch my wounds, put your fingers in it, bring me honey and fish, and, and I'll eat it. I'm not a ghost, I'm flesh and bone. He says that. That's, it says that in the Gospel of Luke, literally. So what we have in the Bible is that spirituality is physical. The physical universe is God's blessed creation. And we are spiritual beings as we are. Uh, we were made in the image of God. We work, walk around the earth. Uh, Christ, who is the um, incarnation of God, comes back as a physical reality, so which means that the story will continue in the, in the heavens and the earth, you know, the, the universe and the earth, the physical world. So the physical spirituality is what the Bible seems to point to. What you're saying is the... I think, is, is, is the perspective of the Hellenized uh, thinking and Gnosticism, that no, 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 wait, spirituality is this, like, non-physical, ghostly realm. Uh, the, the, the Bible has nothing to tell us about what's happening in our world right now. Um, the, the story of Satan and angel, that's this part of this ghostly place. We don't know much about this place, other than it's there. Meanwhile, let's forget the universe. So let's forget the earth. Let's forget this tale of physical spirituality from Adam to Christ. Um, but the universe is a place of time and space, of process and sequence. Um, we are the children of God, and we fly around uh, in uh, ships of all kind. Um, uh, we, ro- we rode on donkeys. You know, Noah put everything in a boat and then brought it out the other end and, and reintroduced DNA into the biosphere and started life again. Process. The story of the Bible constantly points to the fact that God relishes in working through the laws of time and space. It's, it's the laws of physics. Is is this is God's creation? There's no fair enough. No point taken. Let me let me just uh, uh, grab a call here, Ali, if you'll permit me. Michael is in the beaches uh, neighborhood of Toronto. Michael, welcome to the conspiracy show. Yes. Uh, uh, hello, Richard, and hello to 
uh, Ollie, the guest here. Uh, uh, Richard was alluding to the Catholic Church seeming to accept the idea of maybe the existence of aliens just earlier on. Well, I remember hearing, I guess it was almost a month ago, the Pope's, uh, I guess, chief astronomer or somebody like that saying that, uh, you know, he has no problem with accepting aliens. If those aliens exist uh, or there's life on other planets and these beings have souls, so I guess that means consciousness and uh, personality and stuff like that. So if these beings have souls, he would like to communicate with them, baptize them. And in essence, uh, those, those souls on other planets can be saved for salvation. Should we uh, trust these aliens based on, you know, what one man says that they can be converted? That's a great point, Michael. Ali, that, that clarification actually does not tend to suggest that the Vatican might have been referring to angels. That We're talking about physical beings in creation like ourselves that have souls that, that, that are capable of redemption. That doesn't describe an angel or a demon. Um, the... The angels in the Bible, it says in the book of Hebrews that you can uh, meet one unaware, so be hospitable. Um, we always, you know, the angels that are um, at the resurrection of Christ, they look physical. Uh, the angel that is uh, sitting on the tomb uh, of Christ, on the, um, the wall that, it, that is removed and he's sitting on it, he seems to be physical. Um, the uh, stories of... Um, chariots that take away Elijah seem to point to a physical vehicle that removed him rather than the fact that he just disappeared spontaneously and reappeared in another ghostly dimension. Um, I, I don't know that the angels, according to the Bible, not according to Christian tradition, but according to the text, are actually non-physical beings. As far as the idea of them being ministering spirits in the, in the presence of God, um, it, it, the, we are spirits. Um, the essence of all beings is spirit. Uh, the essence of God is spirit, yet God also became a man and had a destiny, and we are told that he will remain in that form for still... Is it possible, Ali, that the Vatican, uh, this statement by the Vatican, they're somehow in, somebody within the Vatican is in on this deception? They're trying to assuage our fears uh, if, in fact, the alien agenda is a demonic one. You know, the, the, the Vatican's chief exorcist recently went on record as saying that Satan is loose in the Vatican. Those are his words, not mine. What do you make of that? <laughs> we, we, didn't need to, we, didn't, we didn't need this guy to tell us that. Um, it's, but basically, I mean, there's lots of, you know, good and evil in, in, in every Christian denomination. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, however... Um, the, the whole idea of agents of the dark side um, is very well documented in the letters of Paul, that there are already agents of the dark side in the early church, the one that Paul is leading. You can see that in various letters, uh, clearly pointed to, like Galatians, Corinthians. Um, so basically, yes, agents would be in, 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 in all the organizations that are, can influence you know, human society. Um, for instance, right now, you were asking about the Air Force officers coming out. And here, what, what I'm reading um, is that in September 27 of 2010, 
uh, armed with declassified documents and vivid details, a group of former Air Force officers gathered Monday to go public with an assertion they have kept mostly under wraps for decades, and that the UFOs visited the bases they were stationed and caused nuclear weapons systems to be temporarily malfunctioned. The group convened by UFO researcher Robert Hastings came to the National Press Club in Washington, and then it quotes Robert Hastings, the guy who's organizing this. He says, Hastings said he believed that visitors from outer space are fixating on nuclear weapons because they want to send a message, disarm, before the world destroys itself. Hastings said he has heard of a UFO incident occurring at Malmstorm as recently as 2007. So we see that the gentleman who's leading the charge on these Air Force officers has a point of view, which is the old one that we see echoed in the day the Earth stood still in 1951, echoed in 1949 by George Valley, the professor, astronomer, advisor to the scientific uh, board of the U.S. Air Force. The same old agenda. So these are the points of views are now the same. Um, what the biblical point of view has one feature that's incredible, and that's the prophetic. It doesn't just tell us about the past, it tells us about the future. And so that's very interesting, because if the angels of God are here, you know, under Michael, keeping the angels of Satan under a wrap, that's why things are not as bad as they could be in this war. And maybe right. these uh, let, are... Let me just jump in here, because we have to take a break. But when we come back, let's find out whether or not the UFO phenomenon can be explained by both angelic and demonic. Uh, entities perhaps interacting with human civilization. Alicia Adetan, filmmaker, producer of UFOs, Angels, and Gods, here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Coming up at the top of the hour, John Hutchison, scientist Vancouver C and founder or discoverer of the Hutchison effect. I've talked to John many times over the years and this is a, uh, a rather interesting phenomenon where he can actually levitate heavy objects using this field that he creates with the Tesla coils and uh, he uh, was invited to go down to the Gulf of Mexico and he and uh, a young woman will meet shortly. Nancy Lazarian went down there. Uh, she's uh, described as an intuitive. They took samples of polluted Gulf water uh, back to Hutchison's lab in Vancouver. The two of them worked together to identify certain ancient harmonics that have been used for healing, and these frequencies were applied both with audio and radio waves to the polluted water samples, and we'll find out what happened to those water supplies. <clears throat> Excuse me, when uh, John, John Hutchison and Nancy Lazaria joins us here on The Conspiracy Show. Richard Serrett coming to you live from the Hilton Hotel in Los Angeles, just down the road from LAX, and Ali Siadatan stays with us filmmaker, researcher, producer of UFOs, angels, and gods. All right. Is it possible, Ali, that the UFO phenomenon needs to be understood in both or, or from both the angelic and demonic perspective? Is it possible that, for example, angelic entities could account for these positive contacts that people have, perhaps these beautiful crop circles, 
And is it possible that the abductions and the, the animal mutilations uh, are caused by demonic entities? Um, I'd have to say yes to your first part of your question. Is, is the UFO phenomenon to be understood as the manifestation of both angelic and demonic? The angels of God travel in spaceships, now we know, um, good and evil. Yes, that's the point of view that I take. That's the point of view that our documentary is presenting, and it's what makes the prophecies of the Bible possible, two sides of comparable strength battling on the fields of Armageddon. Um, now we see how this battle is going to actually be possible. Um, uh, we're there. Um, it, it's not a ghostly thing. It's happening before our eyes. Understanding how to create hybrids, understanding how to decode human DNA and glue it back together with somebody, another DNA, this is advanced. Cloning hundreds of thousands within 40 years in the middle of a war while you're waiting and, and hunkering down for the second coming, this is what angels would be able to do. Know the secrets of God to a certain degree, know DNA, know how to manipulate the laws of physics, the laws of uh, the creation. But as far as, you know, now how to go to the second part of your question, when you look at some of the things you classified as evil-looking and some of the things that you classified, I think that deception is the key. I think that the bad guys will definitely try to look good as well by giving us knowledge, by giving us things that look, you know, interesting. Oh, these are our elder brothers. They're so nice. They're, they they call us themselves. They give us how to filter, you know, salt water really cheap and, 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 and feed the hungry. They're so good. But there is the Bible points of deception. Uh, be, be aware that you, you not be deceived was one of the last words of Christ uh, to his disciples when they asked him about his second coming. That was how he begins it. Be aware that you be not deceived. So I wouldn't, I would say yes, there's two sides, but to understand who is good and who is bad, by looking at the examples you pointed out, I am not sure that constitutes enough evidence to, to make a conclusion that, okay, crop circles are good, animal insulation is bad, so this is good, aliens are bad. I, I, I would agree. You know, this whole notion of uh, angels being these, you know, wonderful entities, and when we meet angels, we're filled with good feelings, this is sort of... Uh, a post-Victorian uh, sentimentality, really. I mean, angelic encounters in the Bible can be absolutely, I don't want to use the word horrific, but my God, it can oh, be frightening sorry, to encounter an angel. Uh, you know, people faint with fear at yes. the sight of an angel. Exactly. Awe-inspiring, terrifying, humbling. It's just a strong presence. It's a surprise. And angels in the Bible do all kinds of stuff. In the book of Kings, two angels slay 5,000 Assyrians because they have spoken against Yahweh, the Assyrian general has. And so the, the God sends 5,000 angels into the camp of the Assyrians and says, you know, rewards Hezekiah, the king of Israel, for, for being true to him. To him. And, you know, they, they, don't, they go out, and that's a pretty terrifying thing they do. The angels of God go and kill 5,000. They destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, it's, you, you can't just, you have to understand the larger story, the larger value system uh, that is being presented to us in this story to be able to contextualize things, uh, not just feels good, feels bad type of thing. Um, well, angels, if I'm not mistaken, Ali, the angels didn't want God to create man. They're kind of, dare I say, jealous of man. 
that that is the uh, that is something that one could say. I'm not a, I'm not an expert in the Islamic perspective, but I would say that that is something that may come from that perspective that the angels all bowed to Adam, because you know, um, but Satan did not, and he said, "I am a, I am a creature of fire. You are a creature of clay. Why should fire bow to clay?" And so that that is an idea that comes from that school of thought, as far as I know. Uh, but definitely, there is a portion of the angels that see the race of Adam's competition. Once you see prophetically where we're headed, which is to be these kings, to use the old concept, um, in the temple of God, immortal kings under a king of kings, managing the galaxies and whatever else God has created. So we were to be the children of God. That is, the earth is the incubation chamber of the children of God in the story of the Bible. Um, so there's definitely from Satan and his guys, that would be seen as competition to the throne. Um, what about, let me get your take on this. Back in the early 50s, this legendary supposed meeting between President Eisenhower, also in attendance, was the Archbishop of Los Angeles, allegedly, and several representatives from several different E.T. races. This uh, sounds like, if true, that at least for the last 60 years or maybe longer, governments or some representative of governments or shadow governments have been in contact, perhaps even in negotiation with these entities. So are they... Are these government uh, representatives in concert with satanic forces uh, or Def- angelic forces? What do you Def- make of that? Well, definitely, it's it's something we see throughout the entire um, Bible of earthly power being associated with, with angelic power of the dark side. Uh, we see the most famous example is the temptation of Jesus Christ, where Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world, the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Persians, the Mesopotamians, the Indians, the Chinese. Uh, and he says to them, you know, I guess that would have been the world at his time. And he says to him that he, uh, Satan says to Jesus that he has dominion over all of these and that he would give power and authority to Christ as the ruler of it all, and he would give, it, uh, give him all of its glory as well, which is, I guess, its wealth, if he were to bow to him. And, of course, you know, these guys are not talking about the Roman world. Creature, beings you know, like Christ and Satan are talking on the scale of long term. It's like, we'll make Earth the headquarters. I'll be the big boss. We export the revolution into the universe and all the way into the throne room of the universe itself. Right? I mean, they're talking on a long scale. He's saying, you know, bow to me. But definitely you see this connection between the power. Now, to say that his influence is 100% would then negate the influence of God, of the Holy Spirit, of the angels, of the people who are gods in the earth, and then who obey him, and who also uh, exist in governments and, 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 and all kinds of institutions. So it's more the battle scenario of the wheats and the tares wrapped into each other. And so there's a time where God will separate the wheat and the tares, we are told. But right now it's kind of this commingling on so many levels of good and evil. And I think that that is one of the main um, ideas that must be understood to, to, to see the UFO phenomenon properly. Where is it going from here? Well, let's find out when we come back, Ali. Ali Siadatan, thinkagainproductions.com, the website and the documentary UFOs, angels, and gods. Coming up a little bit later, healing the waters of the Gulf of Mexico, all part of The Conspiracy Show, live from Los Angeles via Skype here on AM740. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. A few moments remain with Ali Siadatan from Think Again Productions. Ali, uh, any plans in the works for uh, uh, a re-release or an updated version? Uh, there's so much new information coming on uh, stream about UFOs. Uh, any plans to revisit the documentary? Yes, we have created a final cut, um, which is basically um, a much cleaner version of the documentary, and we're launching a new website that will be called uh, ufosangelsandgods.com. And the uh, documentary is the feature, but there's a lot of extra information um, inside this website uh, when it comes to my own thoughts, my blogging, my research, um, as well as audio files that people can listen to, um, and which provides a larger context to the documentary and kind of the latest in my thinking. Um, as far as a next work beyond that, um, I think the website itself is kind of the modern way that people write books. The website itself is, you can see it as, as, a, as a book, but I would like to work on a fiction um, that presents uh, the fruit of my research uh, through, through a fiction. I've always liked stories and storytelling myself, and, and uh, that's where my heart is going right now, I think. How can we tell... Um from one UFO report to another, whether in fact we are dealing with an, uh, an, an, a, 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 a demonic deception or an angelic encounter? What's, what sorts of things should we look for, do you think? Um, well, the biblical response would be test all the spirits that come to you, if they be from the Lord Jesus Christ or not. And so you ask them, you know, uh, uh, who's your king? Who's your master? And do you consider uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to be your king and master? If the answer is yes, um, we often see we, well, instances, two instances that come to my mind in the prophet Daniel's writings and the prophet John's writings in the New Testament, uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, we see that the, the, the prophet bows to the angel and the angel says, don't bow to me. I am serving the same God as you. I'm your fellow you know, creature and part of the creation like you are. And so the fallen angels require certain worship. They deny the Lord. They could not confess him as king. So that would be the Christian answer, the biblical answer. Beyond that, you would have to ask others. Well, you know, I have heard from a number of researchers into the alien abduction phenomenon that if people during the, the uh, abduction recite the Jesus prayer, the the attempted abduction stops, which tends to support the, the biblical perspective. Still others, uh, you know, you've heard Ali, would, would, would contend that uh, what you're doing is fear-mongering, that uh, uh, the, 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 the aliens, in fact, are more spiritually enlightened. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I think you and I are more simpatico on this uh, topic uh, than not. Uh, but, but I, I know, do want to address that, though. I, I want to address that the, the idea of fear mongering because I think it's important. I mean, I, I don't want to be the bearer of fear and bad news. Where is all this going? If this is accurate, uh, it's going to the second coming um, of God. It's going to a time where finally God Himself shows up physically in history and stops 
all the nonsense and, you know, solves all the problems we've got. Uh, so this is, it's going to to happy Hollywood ending. The good guys win. And then will we the all Antichrist, celebrate. Will the Antichrist make his uh, entrance you before that? <laughs> on a UFO? Yeah, I think that the UFOs eventually will, you know, find there'll be one guy who's their chosen one in whom they descend, you know, fully. It's like they aunt him. He's like, you know, the, the, he is the son, like, like, like Jesus was the son to the Father. The fullness of Satan kind of descends into him. It says in the book of Revelation, talking about this guy, which is called both his empire and him are called the beast. It says that the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Um, and the book of uh, Thessalonians also talks about him. He, he, it says that uh, you, you, Paul says, you'll also remember that I told you the Antichrist is being held back until just the right time. That doesn't mean that the spirit of anarchy is not now at work. And then it talks about, uh, but the time will come when the Antichrist will no longer be held back, but will be let loose. Uh, it says, don't worry, the Master Jesus will be right on his heels and blow him away. Um, so the idea that it says that all this trouble is a clear sign that God has decided to make you fit for the kingdom, it, it, it continues by talking about how he performs miracles. Um, it says that, it, that, he, that he does works and wonders that are able, Satan is enabling him to do that. It says in Second Thessalonians. But then Christ comes and you know, defeats him. So definitely there is this idea of when you see him in the Holy of Holies, you know, evacuate Jerusalem. When, you know, when he is the tabernacle of Satan, when, when in him, he's the high priest, he's the new high priest. Like in the old days, the high priest would go in the ziggurats and commune with one of the gods, and then the, that city would be bound to that god. And in the same way here, this guy will be the high priest of Satan, and then he'll have the power of some of this technology behind him for deception. And then the Lord comes, is judgment. It's, it's, the, it's the final sifting. Um, and and it, God is not going to leave us through all this. There's going to be the Holy Spirit. There's going to be angels. I think angelic activity will increase in this time. Uh, the people that are gods will, will, have, will be protected from angels. They will receive visions. will receive insights. We'll, re- we'll hear the voice of God like Noah through the flood. Um, do you do you have any uh, a handle from from the, again from the biblical perspective on what is going on with the crop circle phenomenon? Because many people see a connection between UFOs and crop circles. Um, from the biblical uh, perspective, uh, I can only extrapolate that it's part of the recreation of uh, Satan and his angels as as aliens. It's, they did this whole show for us. We're the, you know, the mathematically, you know, evolved aliens. We have arrived. We talk to you in all kinds of different ways, in sound language, like we saw in the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, we talk to you in different ways. We're not, we're not Satan. We're not angels. We are the aliens. And so, you know, there's Close Encounters of the Third Kind where you see a person will say, a ship landed in my backyard. The guy got out, and he, and he looked like us. I guess he was a hybrid. He picked up some rocks, and he went back in and left. And so they make us feel like they're collecting samples, like they have just arrived. It doesn't matter they've been ruling the earth, you know, like Satan says to Jesus, for a long time. They're making it look like we have just arrived, and we are your friendly aliens, and we're finding all these ways of communicating and saying hi to you. So I think that's part of the deception is the new mask. The fallen angels are no longer the gods. That's the mask they were for our ancestors. They are now the aliens. 
to the Darwinian scientific civilization. That's their new clothing. Um, but the Bible gives us insight into who they really are. It you know, takes the, the veil of mystery and says, this is the same old story that goes back to the Garden of Eden. This is, you guys are the same race. This is the final phase of the story. Now the Lord is on his way. And I think that that's comforting. And at the same time, it's wise to know what is fire and burns and what is water and soothes. To know, you know your way around this whole thing is not fear-mongering. It's wise to take the facts into consideration both from the abduction phenomenon and from the biblical narrative is wise. It's been left here for a reason for us. And at the same time, our hope, of course, is that the cavalry is on its way, and these are the signs of the times. It's finally arrived, that time of the judgment over evil. Uh, we read that, you know, uh, Cain says to God, We're, I'm not my brother's keeper after slaying Abel, but God says to Cain, the blood of Abel, of righteous Abel, cries out from the earth to me, for justice, I assume. And so all the, the people who cry out to God today for justice, uh, there's a lot of evil in the world, of exploitation of all kinds. And so I think the king is on his way to answer this evil. And this is, the, this is what, where we are in the process. And, and the, the prophecies just enlighten us and say, when you see these things happening, don't panic. It just means I'm on the way. But be wise and discern good from evil. I get the sense, Ali, that uh, this is intensifying UFO sightings. We're seeing mass sightings now, um, huge craft. In some instances, wingspans reported a, a mile uh, in, in length or width. And uh, yeah. it's, um, it, it seems like it's, I don't know, it's coming to the fore. Uh, do, do you get that sense? I mean, does I do. this mean I that do. we are now into the end times? I do, I do. I mean, I, I, you can look at it from different points of view to, to kind of come to a conclusion. You look at the geopolitics of the Middle East. You look at what's happening in the epicenter of all of these prophetic writings, and then you look at kind of the spiritual forces behind the battle, which is what we're talking about, and, and you look at it from different angles, and you see it all points the same thing. We are close, um, and uh, I don't think that the, uh, um, uh, the, the troubles of the Middle East are going to just go away because uh, of uh, some diplomats. I think that there is ancient and deep conspiracies afoot that go back to the Garden of Eden. And that is what both analysis of the human world and the angelic world in the context of prophecies, I think, is pointing to. It's, it's coming. It's intensifying. It's good to live day by day and not obsess about the future and, and you know, get up in the morning and look at the prophecies and go, where is this going? It's, you know, give us the daily bread, take a deep breath every day. God is in control, go about and, and live a beautiful life and, 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 and have this connection with God and with, with this scripture that informs you and guides you through the flood. Um, but I think it's wise to take into consideration the signs of the times and say, I don't think what's happening in Jerusalem is just coincidence. All right, Ali Siadatan, thinkagainproductions.com, the documentary UFOs, Angels, and Gods, and a, uh, a new version of that uh, coming out. And, and right now uh, we'll look for thinkagainproductions.com. Excellent. Ali, always a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Richard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The healing waters in the, U, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico with uh, John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian. They're up and coming here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers. And brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders. By our kings and Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Welcome back. Next week, the return of Dr. Len Horowitz. It's been a long while since we've heard from Len, and uh, he'll be back to tell us what's been going on with him. Len, of course, has... uh, done a lot of research of his own into the healing properties co is uh, well it's in tremendous peril however uh, two individuals who join us on the line right now are doing everything that they can to uh, to well to restore the uh, the water in the Gulf of Mexico. And they're uh, here to tell us all about it. John Hutchison, of course, is a, a scientist uh, from Vancouver, B.C., the discoverer of the mysterious Hutchison effect. And uh, Nancy Lazarian, who is uh, an intuitive, uh, will, uh, will tell us what they've been up to down in the Gulf of Mexico. John and Nancy, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thank you, Richard. Great to be on again. Hello. Good to have you with us. Uh, first of all, let's just get a, a bit of the backstory here. Uh, John, you've been on this program many times, and we uh, we know your uh, your your history and your 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 work with uh, the Hutchison effect and and so forth. Uh, Nancy, how did you um, hook up with John Hutchison? Well, uh, <laughs> someone I was dating took me out for coffee and showed me a video of John and his power cell. And he wanted uh, me to contact John and to connect with him about some really high-quality quartz that connected to a mine in Madagascar. And so um, I forgot about it. I was bugged by the person. Are we getting feedback here, by the way? Because we're hearing, hearing feedback. Are you getting feedback? Yes, we are. We are hearing a little bit of feedback. Uh, okay, are you, are you talking closer. into Is a handset better? or are you using a microphone? Okay, so um, I forgot about it. Then I uh, was reminded to get contact him. I went on one website, made one phone call, and left a message for John to call. He Googled me. Um, so 
about uh, all the crazy stuff that I do and decided to call me back, and we started working on the crystal power cells. And then okay. he had to, he actually came to Minnesota. I produced a show for him, March of the Hobbit, which is a wild show, uh, kind of Monty Python science show. And then he went back to Vancouver. He had to take care of some business. And I found about what was going on in the Gulf, went out to Canada with a borrowed pickup truck and a borrowed trailer. I spent the summer with him uh, organizing his lab, selling off the anti-gravity portion of it, and begging, bribing, and crying, and putting all kinds of guilt on him to come down the Gulf. And so we went on an epic journey that took about six weeks and all kinds of breakdowns when we got down here. And we were expecting, like, a, hoping for a 5 or 10% reduction in our first test uh, in the open water, and we were just oh, delighted uh, that uh, we basically were able to wipe out the uh, water column Okay, let me just, let me just stop you there. Uh, and by the correct thing. In okay, let me let, let so, me stop you there, Nancy. Because uh, first of all, show. how did you how did you pitch this project to 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 John? How did you think that you might involve the discover of the Hutchison effect into healing the waters of 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 the Gulf? Let me ask John this: How did Nancy approach approach you? I mean, what did she say? What could you have possibly done for the waters of the Gulf of Mexico? What I have been doing, I was very skeptical of all this until it actually worked. And the Hutchison effect is kind of known for taking metals and converting them into other materials. So I decided to um, take a leap of faith and take off. And off of Nancy, I was stopped at the border, interrogated for three hours and refused entry into the United States, and I approached the border again with documentation, simply because I um, was on some British petroleum property at Cherry Point Refinery, and somehow the customs people didn't like that idea, so I had to put up a lot of arguments to get across the border. I joined Nancy. We traveled down um, to L.A. and across to Phoenix and then to the Gulf of Mexico, set up the machines, give it a try. And I wasn't expecting anything, but the results that came in were pretty fantastic. Well, we, we so in had other words, done testing sorry, Nancy. of Gulf water that was sent to us up in the lab. And John had done some testing on me personally uh, to verify some of the things that um, I was saying that if you wanted the, the intuitive kind of aspect of who I am, and he was able to verify it on his equipment, and so then he started to believe me when I told him certain things were happening, and they appeared in the news shortly thereafter, and I said, this is it. If we don't get down there and take care of this, uh, basically, uh, we're talking about uh, all life on the planet going to be wiped out by this. Well, tell me about these frequencies that you're applying, I understand, with both radio and audio waves to the polluted water samples. What are these frequencies? Well, I'm using um, high-frequency 10 gigahertz modulated RF phase inverted waveforms and very low-frequency waveforms 
bending columnar waves, scalar waves, and all that. Sort of what I did in the uh, levitation experiment, but on a, a bit of a smaller scale. And the audio, the infrasound vibrations into the ocean itself, combining in a rather unique way with the RF signal, producing actually very dramatic effects, like the last test we did. One could actually see the waves starting to undulate, stand up, and move around, going backwards and forwards. That was kind of impressive, and uh, a writer, journalist, filmed it and put it up on YouTube onto the pesky uh, website. These waves, uh, these, uh, these audio frequencies, what are they doing to the actual oil that's in the water? Binding it together it and into what? One into big ball of tar? It just turns into carbon. It just it drops down onto the ocean floor. Well, except in the lab, it just disappeared. I mean, it just, it was gone. And we had some really weird things happening in the lab at the completion of some of the testing we did on the lab sample. Uh, the one that basically is just salt and water now. Um, that's the Colburn test uh, that's over in Peswicky. Uh, we had a piece of equipment that was put out a particular signal. John, what was the name of that equipment? It's an RF amplifier. And that we were, it was set at a certain frequency for a certain um, uh, signal. And uh, there's just a point where I just knew it was over with, and then we just shut everything down. And all of a sudden, that piece of equipment um, started to give us almost like a Morse code back at us. And it it just can't happen. That piece of equipment uh, is not a receiver, so it couldn't be receiving a same signal. It was it was a, a signal generator. Uh, so. Well, who knows? Maybe that was whatever it was flying off of the water. But it happened twice um, during the, the work on in the lab. We haven't seen that um, on the water, although we've seen other anomalies, such as uh, bubbles coming up from the ground uh, under, the, under where the water is, uh, mysterious foam appearing, then suddenly disappearing, uh, black sludge appearing and suddenly disappearing. So it's interesting. And what well, we were looking for in that Perdido Bay, we had an oscilloscope set up out about 300 yards from where we were doing the frequencies, and the oscilloscope were, was reading the sympathetic resonance on the water. Uh, just that we got this sympathetic resonance, we were excited. And when we uh, woke up the next morning and walked out and the water was and you could see through it. It was just like, wow. And the people that owned the campground came down and they said it's been 40 years and they've never seen the water that's clear. So How this, large this a sample are you able to affect at one in time? The entire United States, Perdido Bay. I'm, I'm sorry, Nancy. I think we, we sort of both cut out there. How large a sample are you able to affect with these frequencies at one time? Well, that's what's interesting is that we got an independent report from a uh, captain of a dolphin um, expedition boat that takes out people on dolphin expeditions 
she did not know what we had done, and she wrote up in her log about the water suddenly clearing, fish swarming, the dolphins that had been lethargic were jumping around all over. They had been lethargic since the oil spill, and she was noting all of this in her log, and she had a client out videotaping all of it, and she found out about what we had done um, later, and uh, she's really excited working with us on this project. And her report was the day after we had done the treatment, and it was two days over from where we had done the treatment. So that extended about at least five, ten miles. So and this... I think we are bouncing the waves, because this is, this is inland water where we're talking about. This is brackish water, and so we've got a mixture of salt water and seawater. And uh, where we were... We were able to bounce the, the tones and the frequencies on land, and I think they bounced, you know, they, make like, they made like a zigzag pattern and went around to the other bays. That's, about, that's my hypothesis, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right, sounds as good as any. Now, ideally, what would you like to do? Put this on uh, 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 some sort of an ocean vessel and move this around the entire gulf? Yes, we need, and we really think that it's important to bounce it along the sh to use the shore as um, the, the the vehicle to bounce these tones back and forth because John creates a standing wave by by putting uh, this back and forth and back and forth, and you can see that in the last part of the video where the waves are standing up a good two feet, and they're moving in in sequence with the frequencies and the tones that are being generated. Tell, tell me about the the actual frequency. The uh, is it 528 megahertz? That's is that the, the, them, the one that seems to be most effective? No, it, it, it's 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 a harmonic. The the entire creation works on a harmonic of sound. It isn't just one frequency. There's a whole harmonic. And that's 528. It's what? Is it 528? Is that the one? 528 is one of the, the sulfigios, but we use the whole the whole range of sulfigios, all from 63 up to uh, to 1156, uh, is it? 1146. And this self, this sulfigio scale was. And then we go uh, even one further is a, is a frequency identified, which is 1256. And then we also use um, the, the um, tone of the earth was, is around, what are you using, John? 6.8. Six, 6.8. Eight. Six, eight. 10 cycles per second. Right. So it's not just, just one. It's, it, it, it's a whole harmonics of... of, of uh, kind of an orchestra of right. different frequencies from audio to RF. And then John These are essentially takes the ancient audio musical and, notes. and modulates it into RF, and then we stick it in a tree, use it as an antenna or, or a log that's hanging off over the shore. These are essentially ancient musical notes that you've rediscovered, is that correct? Well, not necessarily musical notes. Gregorian chants um, are also known as the sulfigios. Uh, but you go way, I mean, you go back 5,000 years, and people were have known of these different 
tones and frequencies and the combinations of them. So it's um, nothing new. I, just, I, I believe the, the scientist Royal Raymond Reif was using these to destroy viruses under his, under his microscope. Well, that's interesting because um, this last test that we did was in a different bay that had gotten a, an alert that they had uh, high levels of five different bacteria in the beach and don't go in there. And then we did the work on Tuesday and Wednesday, and they retested on Friday, and everything was back to normal. And we this was not our doing the testing. This was just the uh, water authorities in the area. All right, uh, John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian, stay put. We'll come back and continue to discuss this remarkable story and how they're using an ancient harmonic scale audio sees to heal the waters of the Gulf of Mexico back more of the conspiracy show my name is Richard Serrett live from Los Angeles via Skype stay with me. you're listening to an exclusive podcast of the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer radio the new a.m. 740 this is truly a remarkable story. So much bad news coming out of the Gulf of Mexico uh, that uh, it's so refreshing to finally hear someone's actually doing something about it. And it, uh, it appears the sacred Selfeggio scale is, is doing the trick. John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian on the line from uh, Alabama. Now, is anyone in the mainstream media paying any attention to this? Have you taken this data to them? And uh, is, are, you being, are you able to convince anybody that it's working? Well, no, the mainstream media says everything's okay. You can eat four shrimp, but don't eat five. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. There's nothing wrong down here. Um, Corexic's not being sprayed on people, even though folks are dying. And, you know, three autopsies done with esophaguses that were completely melted. You know, nothing's wrong down here. Don't you understand? We don't want to panic anyone. And that's the problem is that if they admit that there is a situation here, then um, they have to admit that they don't know how to fix it. And we, the, the fact that there were seven parts per million of, of oil in this water, and they had just declared that particular bay totally clean. I mean, come on. That's where they're doing the decontamination of the boat, right there. There's nothing wrong. Haven't you listened to the mainstream media lately? The microbes are eating it, as well as they're eating up the people, too. But, but what well, about a lot your of evidence of that Have you been here, able Richard, to convince uh, anyone else that this is that your approach is working? In Louisiana, and we're in a semi-bayou area up here in Alabama, and folks will, will not eat the shrimp. There's representatives of the Louisiana Bayou folks who are having meetings in Brandon, Manitoba, over the issue of all the food being uh, contaminated and uneatable. The locals won't eat the shrimp. The locals won't even go out in the rain. They won't drink the tap water. But you all come down here 
and you have your kids play on the sand and have them little two-year-olds eat the tar balls. That's fine. Come on. No, I understand that the, the locals are, 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 are nervous. What I'm asking you is, uh, your approach, have you been able to get the data from your approach into the hands of either mainstream scientists or the mainstream media to say, hey, listen, listen what we're doing is working? I sent it to BP. I sent it to the Coast Guard. I sent it to the EPA. No response. None. Zero. I said, give me someone I can talk to face-to-face. I will drive to them. I will show them the equipment. I will go over the report with them. We can set up a test site. You can monitor it. No response. Zero. The local governments we talk to, they love it, but they can't officially sanction it. We got approached by the cops when we were down in Venice, and they just, you know, swarmed us. And then we explained to them what we were doing, and it was all of a sudden, sir and ma'am, and and they were really nice to us, but there's there's no room at the inn. We had to sleep 30 miles down the road in the back of the trailer with the equipment. This is, it, it is so bizarre here, I can't tell you. The, the air is thick with oil, it's thick with corexic. People are all walking around in fog. We call it corexic drunk here. It's actually been said that by doctors. So, you know, they're in denial. They're in fear. Local governments have been paid off millions of dollars. There's no problem. Everything's fine. How conspicuous is this piece of equipment that you've uh, you, you've got down there, John? And, and, and how, pray tell, did you get this thing across the border? Oh, that was quite an effort. It inquired uh, a broker and other folks. Um, it's uh, the equipment is uh, several thousand pounds of equipment. Six thousand. Six thousand pounds. Um, what came across the border too were antique firearms, tons of those things, and well, it all made it across the border except for three sharps, which are going through the ATF for approval. John had to gift it to me. So it's my equipment. And I had to explain to Customs, and I was interrogated by an hour by the FBI, just what I was going to be doing with all this stuff. And I said I was going to be doing a documentary about John Hutch, which I am. We were how easy, well, how easy or difficult would it be to, to build more of these devices so that they could be situated uh, elsewhere around the, around the Gulf? And how many would you need, do you suspect? I would like to see at least six units on, <clears throat> excuse me, on Navy ships, possibly, if one can get the cooperation of the Coast Guard or the Navy to carry out the operation. Because they have a lot of equipment like I have as well. And they could use their sonar and hydrophone systems to transmit it into the ocean, as well as their antenna arrays on the Navy ship. I think is it, one instant- ship is it instantaneous really as soon as you, as soon as yeah, you well, turn this device be, on? Yeah. Even a barge at this point in time, because we're going down to these areas, bays, and uh, in this 22-foot-long trailer and setting up operations of uh, long extension cord running all this equipment. 
and setting it up for about four-hour runs, and people will go around and collect samples before and after the test. And, of course, they, they're run by reputable scientists like Neyman and Steve Coburn and others. But finding a lab is difficult. They, the EPA sent out a letter to all their labs saying, do not take independent uh, tests from the citizens. We don't want to confuse the matter. Confuse There's the a matter. lot of politics down here, it seems like, too. How uh, quickly does this work on the water? Once you turn on your device, is it instantaneous? The uh, process seems to start within maybe a minute after every all the equipment is turned on. And it usually runs for a couple hours, several hours, up to four hours long. And the effects are noted. Uh, Nancy actually filmed the effects in the water as the oil appeared to turn to pure carbon and drop down onto the ocean floor and made the water clear and green algae started to appear where before the water you couldn't even see maybe six inches down through it. So I'd say about four hours. We feel comfortable in running it at that time. It was about, we were about three hours in on the video that's on the internet uh, when the waves started really undulating. Uh, John had really set up a really good um, standing wave, I think. And we had the, the storm coming in and the rain, and so I think we were able to work with those elements as well in this, which um, from what we've understood, that went out probably 30 or 40 miles with that test. Where can we see the video online? Oh, that's actually uh, Nancy. That's on YouTube. Jerry Cope 1, J-E-R-R-Y-C-O-P-E-1. Uh, that's his YouTube channel. And at about 9, 10 into the video, um, you'll see a, a certain uh, tone that's the 528 that you talked about. It's a constant 528 that's going out. And you can see what the wave pattern actually looks like at the water. And then as it builds with all these different harmonics that go across, at about 14 minutes in, you'll get the, um, the undulation, about 14, 1410, somewhere in there. Uh, the full articles are written up on PestWiki. Sterling B. Allen uh, seems to be the main news going on at that website right now. That covers the uh, actual laboratory test along with video and photographs. So again, it's YouTube Jerry Pope One. Yes. Is that the entire address? Is there more? Um, if you go to YouTube and go to Jerry Pope One channel, and just we're several down. He's a reporter out here. And we're, you just look for Hutchison. All right. YouTube Jerry Pope, P-O-P-E, as in the Vatican Pope? No, C-O-P-E. Jerry, C-O-P-E. -E. -E one, the numeral one. Okay.
Terrific. Uh, have you? I mentioned Len Horowitz. Dr. Len Horowitz is uh, on my show next week. I don't know if you're familiar with Len, uh, the author of Healing Codes for the Biological Apocalypse, and he talks about this ancient Selfeggio scale. Are you familiar with Dr. Horowitz's work at all, either of you? All I know about him is that I took one of his YouTubes and we're using it, the 528, the constant tone. So there we have, I mean, that's confirmation from another source, uh, this this secret Selfeggio, which apparently, if I'm remembering the story correctly, these frequencies were uncovered in the book of numbers they were encoded in the book of numbers these were bible codes these mathematical electromagnetic frequencies and uh, horowitz claims that these are these frequency codes are for miracles they have the power to create and destroy well they're um you go back even further um to the esteens uh, a sect out of Israel, the ones that, they're the folks that took the smashed Moses tablet. Yes. And um, they're the ones that uh, the person people call Jesus, his real name was Yehushua. And Yeshua, yes. Right. Or Well, it's, that's short. It's, anyway, so okay. um, if you look into their teachings and their inner circle teachings, they talk about becoming the stream of sound and also um, having to know the, the mystery and power of the numbers. So it's all tied together. It's all, and there's all part of sacred geometry. And, and, the, and all we're trying to do for the water here is to remind it of what it is. I don't think we're blasting anything out of the water. I think we're letting the water be water. And that's All one right, of the we'll... comments that were made by the people that were with us on this test that's been videoed. Um, people from that live in the area were racing out to the shore saying, look, the water's acting like water. It had been so full of oil that it would not peak and crest in the wave. It would only roll. And All right, it, uh, we'll take a quick time like out. Uh, Nancy yeah. Lazarian and uh, John Hutchison, stay where you are. Anyone wants to get on board with questions and comments, we invite you to the phones at 416-740-0740. I'm sorry, 416-366-0740. 416-366-0740. And toll free from out of town, 866 866- 740-4740. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show here on AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM740. We elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Must be this fresh ocean air out here in uh, Los Angeles that is uh, uh, 
doing a number on my brain. Yes, let me uh, let me uh, do those numbers again for you if you'd like to get on board. It's 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll free, it's 1-866-740. Uh, 4740, 866-740-4740. So, John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian uh, are doing the Lord's work down in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, generating these uh, ancient harmonics, and uh, it's having an amazing impact on the quality of the water in the Gulf of Mexico. So, what do you what do you what do you uh, plan on doing next? Uh, we're hoping to um, move. We just uh, actually fired up the trailer where we're staying, which is a block off of uh, the water because it was so bad here in the air that we just couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> so we did that tonight, and we are working with people trying to find private beaches because the Coast Guard has authority on the water, and BP and the Coast Guard are the ones that are handling the water cleanup. But uh, people have private property rights, and they can have whatever concert or party or tones that they want on their property. And so we have to go from private property to private property to uh, work on the water. And we are hoping to have um, another... Um, place set up for us tomorrow morning that is right in Corexic Alley. It is, it's where it's really bad, and um, we'll be heading closer to ground zero uh, by, by making that movement over to the west. This so Corexic, the, the oil dispersant that's being used, is being sprayed from, from above, I understand, by oh, planes. Yeah. and. And they weren't supposed to use it, and uh, they were told not to use it, but then the Coast Guard gave something like 76 exemptions in 48 days, and then they said they weren't using it anymore. But we have reports of people uh, just last month getting sprayed overhead with it and becoming deathly ill for two days and um, over and over again. This is... This is uh, Still continuing. This is BP's response to oil is to spray it down. My understanding is people, that uh, this Corexit is uh, mixing with the uh, the water molecules in the air, and it's now when we have uh, you know in, in hurricane season, it's these uh, air molecules being pushed way inland, and it is now raining down in places as far away as Iowa. It's actually killing the weeds. Have you heard any of those reports? Oh, yeah. We've heard that for months. And just a couple weeks ago, they had a very strange weather pattern that, that booked up right from the Gulf along the East Coast and wrapped around my home state, Minnesota. They had hurricane-force winds in Minnesota. And what do you think that they were getting in Minnesota? It was the stuff out of the Gulf. Has the EPA not declared this essentially to be a carcinogenic? Oh yeah, and it melts. It, it melts flesh. The uh, 
a university in, in Florida just did a test with four liters of liquid. One had um, salt water in it, seawater in it. One had seawater and 2% oil in it. The other had oil and corexic, and the other one had just corexic in it. And they put uh, coral in it. They came back 12 hours later, and there's a problem. They couldn't continue the test because the containers that had the corexic or the corexic in the oil, uh, the coral was missing. Did it completely dissolve the tissue? And that's what, what it does when it, it hits your skin or when you inhale it. Um, it. And that's why these, you know, there's three people that have been autopsied where their esophagus is totally dissolved. Oh, my Lord. What happens if you point your device up in the air? Could it have the same healing effects as it does in the water? Well, we've noticed John? that um, when we run the equipment, the air clears and we can breathe. I mean, we, I was running around a respirator here today. I was like, ah, ah, I can't take it anymore. Just, just get the equipment running. And after about 10 minutes, we were able to breathe, take the respirators off. John, could you see uh, maybe adopting this device uh Somehow it could be used from an airplane or a helicopter? Well, that's a good question. A large enough helicopter could handle it, handle the weight of the machinery, and if it's all placed properly, military style or Navy style and mounted, it would work that way too with a helicopter for sure. I don't think an airplane would work too well yet, but helicopter would. Now the, the key is just to... Con- convince someone in authority to uh, to embrace this technology but quite frankly I just don't see that happening do you uh, no the even letters of recommendation from uh, uh, chemist Neiman Neiman uh, recommends Homeland Security Coast Guard military to take this up and do tests with it but uh, so far as Nancy has approached a number of these people, they haven't responded back. I've been sending out emails to some of my friends in the U.S. government, U.S. Pentagon, but back from them yet. Could be a conflict of interest. I don't know, but um, time will tell. I think as more of these uh, tests that will be successful and reports written up, perhaps we'll get eventually their cooperation. Let's go to the phones, and I believe it's Trina from Center Wellington is Good on evening. The Conspiracy Show. Go ahead, Trina. You're on the air. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Richard. It's always a pleasure to hear your show. Thank um, you. I'm wondering about a couple of things here. First of all, we all know that, um, you know, our recent uh, debacles at G20 in Toronto there, and they had those uh, trucks that they hire, uh, had ordered or whatever. I don't know we own them or just borrowed them or rented them, whatever, that had the uh, harmonics in them that, you know, would make people somewhat helpless to control them, you know, if they had to use them. What they call non-lethal weaponry, yes, they were audio cannons. I guess it depends who's getting shot with it, whether it's lethal to them or not, you know? But anyway, um, if they can do it with that, and they've got this here um, device that they're using in the water, well, 
I mean, that only makes sense that that would work. And on human beings, harmonics work. But big government is not going to let that happen. They're making money off of of these disasters. The same reason we have wars. It all comes down to money. It really doesn't come down to there always are solutions if people are willing to compromise. But when it comes to money, the world's become terribly greedy and I just feel very sad when I hear such wonderful things being devised out there and corporations say yes or no, not the people. And that's a failing in democracy, it seems, is happening, isn't it? Indeed, Trina. Thank you for the call from Senator Wellington. Well, true enough, John and and, and Nancy, you've discovered uh, or rediscovered these frequencies uh, that can be used to heal uh, but according to uh, Dr. Len Horowitz, uh, other frequencies that were uncovered in the Book of Numbers can also be used to destroy. So perhaps the dark forces in this world are utilizing uh, those and uh, the, uh, the installation the, uh, known as HARP up in Alaska comes to mind. Uh, you are really perhaps engaging in spiritual warfare, and, and uh, that's... I think what you're up against. You're in. You're you're in the midst of spiritual warfare. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I've heard of infrasound used in the '40s and '50s as a weapon by the French. It was a device used to shake people's organs at different frequencies and actually um, kill them. They discontinued that kind of experimentation because of killing their own troops. Now, yeah, it could be a the non-lethal weapon program, but I feel we are not using that kind of technology with the um, projection into the Gulf. I guess you'd have to define what spiritual warfare is, too. It's, it's knowledge, I mean, we're, we're working under the laws of nature, and uh, we win. War is over. Sorry. They got to go home. All right, we'll take one final time out, come back. A few thoughts yet and questions remain for John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian as they attempt to heal the waters of the Gulf of Mexico. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show live from Los Angeles here on AM740. Listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian, it just suddenly occurred to me uh, that uh, perhaps your services and your device could be used down in Haiti where they are confronting a, uh, a rather serious waterborne illness, uh, cholera. Do you think it would be effective down there? Well, I, could, I can't really answer that truthfully. Um, I've, um, with all these experiments myself, I'm, I'm skeptical, but, and I was skeptical until I started seeing a scientific report. So I don't know what would do a cholera down in that area. Nancy, do you have any thoughts on that? You're the intuitive. Uh, what, do you, well, what do you think? I just wanted to um, address what you had said before. And then I'll answer that. When you talk about spiritual warfare, from yes. from the um, Gospel of Peace, I believe it was, 
or it could be the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. Um, it, they talk about if you want to know the Creator, then you need to study the creation. And you have to understand that everything is frequency, and that there are certain frequencies that bring the healing. There are certain frequencies and harmonics that we hope that we've identified are the stream of sound. And all what we're doing is bringing that back into uh, the water and hopefully back into the earth. So anything that brings balance back, and that's what we're hopefully doing is balancing things with this, is going to be effective, whether, whether you're doing it to your body, if you're doing it to the water, whether you're doing it to um, these new, this new life form that they've released in the Gulf of Mexico. I really hope that it has a really bad frequency and it doesn't like our harmonics. Indeed. Well, I, 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 I do sincerely believe it is spiritual warfare because you're, uh, you're obviously using these frequencies for good. And uh, I, I believe that there are uh, individuals and groups out there that have access to the same secret codes, the same secret frequencies, and they can also be used in a destructive manner. Um, so I, I wish you uh, continued success, and just you just got to keep hammering away, I guess, despite the, uh, the naysayers. Um, and again, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep our eye on this, and if, uh, if there's any further updates, please drop me an email, and we'll get you back on to discuss it further. And anybody who's got a private beach along the Gulf, Get a hold of us. What's the best way to do that, Nancy? N-A-N-C-Y-L-A-Z-A-R-Y-A-N at yahoo.com. Nancy Lazarian at yahoo.com. Right. All Send right. us best a of place to you. go. We can even get a generator if we need it, but it's nice to have a plug. One plug. We need one plug. All right. Stay well. We'll be in touch. Okay, Richard. It's a pleasure being on your show, and have a great evening. Same to you. John Hutchison and Nancy Lazarian. And again, if you'd like to uh, contact them uh, with uh, offices of, of, of assistance or, or support, it's Nancy Lazarian. That's Nancy Lazarian, L-A-Z. A-Y-A-R-A-N at yahoo.com. All right. Uh, just a, uh, some programming notes before we dim the lights here. Uh, coming up next week, as I said, the return of Dr. Len Horowitz, author of Healing Codes for the Biological Apocalypse. I can't wait to get his take on what John and Nancy are doing down there. I think he will be elated uh, to hear this information. And uh, the following week, that would be, the, oh, incidentally, the next Sunday, the 14th, I'll also be on the road doing the show. And I'll, uh, I'll likely be doing the show live from Seattle, Washington. Uh, I'll be up that way interviewing Eric Lawyer, Firefighters for 9-11 Truth, for the, uh, th for the TV program. But uh, Dr. Len will be on the radio show on the 21st. Well, it's... Uh, the Sunday before, of course, the anniversary of the JFK assassination. So our media scientist and pioneering JFK researcher Nelson Thal will be uh, on the program and will de dedicate the full two hours to the JFK assass assassination. All right. Uh, my thanks to Dan Ellison uh, back in our AM740 studio at 550 Queen Street East in Toronto. 
And uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over Aphrodite, I'm coming home. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.